Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Best Life Podcast. It's Jill Coleman and Danny J. And we are pumped because we have a friend of ours here today who is amazing and she's going to share a little bit about her story and then we're going to get into a little bit of roundtable discussion. But we have Sierra Nielsen here. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. Yeah, we're we are in- pumped. And uh, do you want to give a little context on Sierra? Yeah, Sierra, she's been on, uh, well, what we all connected on Instagram. How, how did you guys yeah. meet each other actually? How did we meet? I think we just had mutual just friends been, yeah. and like maybe you had just moved here. I had just moved here, like something. Yeah, and we just, uh, yeah, yeah, it was like maybe a couple of years ago and we got Instagram. together for coffee Yeah, and yeah, that was when you were trying to, you were still, you were trying to like build your business at that time, right? I like your literally online just platform. started in the wellness industry. So that was three years ago. Yeah. 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 Cause I came from the entertainment world. I'd been in the entertainment world for six and a half years. And uh, just like quick backstory, yeah. I got into wellness because I lost my mom to cancer, stage four lymphoma in 2015. And that just kind of really threw my entire world for a loop. And that's the moment in my life where I really hit rock bottom. And I really had to start reevaluating what I was doing with my life. And that's when I realized that my entire life, I had been not only a caregiver, never knew how to take care of myself, but I was living someone else's dream Mm. and it wasn't mine. So that's when I really dove deep into my own self-development, self-love journey. And I knew that in order to get to where I wanted to be, it had to, I, I needed to I needed to start with the first, with the one thing I had never had my entire life, which was self-love and real self-love, not just glossy gratitude affirmations. I yep. needed to dive really deep. Yep. And that meant not only attacking my movement, my nutrition and fueling my body in that way, but really diving deeper into the stories I've told myself my entire life about my negative self-beliefs, my limiting factors, just really the stories I was telling myself. And after my mom had passed, I had wasn't I wasn't taking care of myself. I gained a lot of weight. I was just taking care of my siblings. Was avoiding myself, and I hit rock bottom. I mean, my I had was experiencing anxiety for the first time in my life. My doctor put me on Xanax. I was drinking a bottle of wine a night, just like having my own pity party. Mm-hmm. And it just it just kind of hit me one day. You know what? It's as unfair as it is that my mom's time here was cut short, that I was still here. And that's what mattered. And I was sort of given a second chance. So I knew in that moment, couldn't go back to entertainment, couldn't go back to the job I was doing. It was super toxic and negative. Wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't living in my truth. So I had to figure out what that was. And so I took a lot of time off started taking care of my body, started taking care of my, my soul and really digging into the emotional aspects of it for the first time ever. And, you know, I just realized every single day I got up, no matter what I was facing, my one mantra was, I have the power to change the story. Mm. And that's like what really got me through. So I realized, because when I go into something, I go all in. So I wanted to take care of my body and I wanted to learn about nutrition. So I was like, I'm just going to become a sports nutritionist. I'm going to become a trainer. If I end up training people, great. But if I don't, I have the knowledge. So I became a trainer and a sports nutritionist, but I always knew I wanted to do something bigger. And I always knew my passion wasn't just helping people shed the physical weight. It was helping them shed the emotional, the Mm -hmm. mental and spiritual baggage that they were carrying around that was really blocking them from living the life they desired and that they deserved. So that's how I got to where I am today. And I started my community and my project and my kind of slowly started growing on Instagram and now have an online mind, body, soul program called Your Soul Sexy that does just that. Love it. I love that. You know, I do think that so many of us get into like the physical stuff because we think, oh, if we lose the weight, then all of our problems will go away. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned a couple of times for your own transformation and for your clients, getting rid of the baggage or old stories, what are some examples of things that you, you know, that maybe you had to shed? Like what are some maybe like old narratives that are not, that were true that you were hanging on to? Oh my gosh, so many. I mean, it, there's so many that come that that relate to my body. Like I never thought I was athletic enough. I was just like, this is just the way that I am. I meant to be like, I was, I was 
25, 30 pounds heavier. And I was like, this is just the way that I am. This is just genetics. But also when it came to my career, you know, it, the, every single thing that I was doing in my life, I kept coming back to the phrase, this is just the way that I am. This is just what I was meant mm. for. You know, I, I had listened to so much of what society had told me, my family, my friends had told me. I mean, I went to Vanderbilt pre-med my entire life, thought I was going to be a doctor or an engineer because that's what everyone told me. I was so smart. I was great in math. And I didn't, I never took a, I never took the time to listen to myself and to what my heart really desired. And, um, <laughs> sorry. Pip is just jumping in your lap while you were talking. <laughs> hey, this is real life people. Love. We have dogs in laps. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's just even, you know, when I got into this, I had the outside world telling me because I was a really successful entertainment executive for this. And when I would tease the idea of being, a wellness coach or a fitness coach, I got so many condescending remarks like, oh my God, that's all you're going to, like, you're so much better than mm -hmm. that. And I, I had to listen to myself because, you know, I, it's, those are just outside judgments. And I knew, I knew in my heart and my soul that like, I've always just wanted to help other people and serve other people. And I knew that, that that was special to me. And yeah, so it was what I could do with my body, what I could do with my career just everything, all those things that were holding me back. Like we have so many negative self-beliefs all the time of not being worthy enough. Worthy enough comes from, you know, like if you, you don't, you don't get into shape sometimes, you don't start eating healthy because you don't think that you're worth it. I mean, at the mm -hmm. core, yeah. it's if you believe you're worth it or not. Yep. So I really had to deal with that and, and stop, stop playing small, you know? Well, it's like a perfect segue, actually, what you said about your family wanting you to be a certain way or you were expecting to be a doctor is we are going to have a little discussion about identity. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting that you basically stripped off that identity that was like put on you. And I think a lot of times like we're we really want to discuss identity and is it OK to identify at, like you were talking about your mom earlier. Is it okay to identify as a survivor of someone who passed away? Is it okay to identify as a mom and be that and your brand? Um, how do you re like? How do you rebrand yourself with a new identity? So I just want to like open up the discussion to that and like how did you? Because I think ultimately, if you're saying this is how I am, this is how it's going to be, this is just genetics. You ultimately have to put on a new identity of. I'm something else. Like, did you, did you do affirmations? Did you do those kind of things to try to, to, or you just said, okay, I'm just going to start exercising and see what happens. Like, where did you get the belief that it might actually like your body might change? Affirmations never worked. For mm -hmm. me. Affirmations to me were just covering up what I really believed about myself. I think that they're beneficial sometimes, mm -hmm. like, but I think you have to, I, for me, it wasn't like looking in the mirror and saying, I'm healthy, I'm fit, and I'm all these things. I am progressing, I am becoming, mm -hmm. and that's what switched it for me mm -hmm. because it was hard to look in the mirror and believe those things when I knew I still had those negative mm -hmm. self-beliefs inside. So mm -hmm. for me, it was about bringing those to the surface and figuring out why I had them and where they came from. And ultimately, that's what helped me, and, that's what, and I realized every single one of those beliefs and those judgments came from somebody else. It, it didn't come from me and they yeah. never do. Yeah. And so starting to question those things. So for both of you guys, like how do you start questioning and I'll maybe go into like how I kind of see it too, but how do you start questioning those things? Like how do you even know I'm not athletic is like a, a, is wrong or is like, it's not true. How do you even like start to identify some of those things? Well, I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing to start with is awareness we are mm -hmm. literally walking around all the time, just unconsciously letting these thoughts into our mind. So you've got to be aware of them and then take a moment to argue with yourself. I think that that's really powerful. Like that's, that's what's helped for me. Like in, in that moment when I think I'm, I'm not worthy of this, I just have to sit there and question myself. But, but I used to just let it, let it pass by, let it just pass through me. And that's, that existed. That's what I believed. Right. Yeah. So just for me, accept it's it. Radical self-awareness. And accept it. Yeah, yeah. But accept that you can literally be anything that you want to be. And when you talk about identity, I think that that's the first step in getting to know yourself mm -hmm. is, is radical self-awareness and acceptance. And so figuring out who you are at your core, what you value, the type of person that you want to be. I kind of think of it as like a tree and the trunk, that's your foundation, that's your core. But the problem is we tend to put ourselves in a box yep. and just like stay within that core. But like, what if we think about ourselves as just one grand big opportunity and we can have all these different branches? So you can, you can be this like 
like badass boss bitch at work and then you can be this like super zen like hippie like lay in the grass all day like stargaze kind of person and those can be all parts of your identity Mm. as long as your core and your foundation is there so it's figuring out that core and the foundation that you can always return to Mm -hmm. in my opinion I love that. You know, one of the things that I think about when I think about identity is a lot of times things happen to us that mm-hmm. are out of our control. So like your mom passing away, like a lot of what Danny and I went through in our marriages and having, you know, husbands that had affairs. And, you know, I think you can identify with that and it makes you a victim mm-hmm. because it's context, right? Like there's always everything that happens to us creates context. So we talk about infidelity a lot on this podcast more because of what it has taught us. Yeah. So if we choose to, I guess, maybe use it to victimize ourselves and, and put, put ourselves in that position of, you know, they were the perpetrator or life happened to me and I'm just mm-hmm. a victim of circumstance. That's one way to identify. And I think that keeps us mired in not moving forward, not learning the lessons, but you can also identify with as I'm some someone who has been, you know, in a relationship that my husband had, you know, cheated on me. What does that mean moving forward? How do I learn from that? How do I, you know what I mean? So it's like, yes, identity on both sides, but one keeps you mired in victimhood and the other empowers you and gives you the lessons and and allows for you to teach and to move on with other people. So I think identity is not necessarily bad. I think it can go both ways. Mm -hmm. That's one of the way I love how Sierra, you know, like shares lessons with like your mom's story. Like I haven't lost my mom, but I can relate to a lot of the feelings and the lessons that you've gotten out of the situation. And where I see things can get maybe like bad when you identify with something is if something like I know when we put things outside of ourselves, it can we can lose that like we can lose our identity. So for example, when I was in fitness and I was doing fitness competitions, I was like, I was known, and this was all ego too, as a fitness competitor, as being the strongest one, as being the most lean. And then when I gained weight, suddenly I felt like I wasn't that anymore. And I lost my identity and I lost who I was. And it made me feel like I'm a nobody because I was known for a certain thing. And now I no longer had that. And I see this happen in the online space. I see this happen even with like I said moms earlier you know moms who just strongly identify as being a mom and then their kids move out of the house and then they feel completely lost like I lost my purpose I lost my identity so I guess bringing this up is what do you guys think is the proper I don't know if proper is the right way but like when is it okay to identify with something when is it not okay or is there just like we just is again coming back to awareness does it just need to be an awareness or can we just identify a piece of us and not let it define us. I liked what Sierra said about having multiple different parts of you because I think if you diversify, Mm -hmm. so you might identify as a mom, but you also identify as an artist or a creator or a writer, or you have things outside of that like single identity so that when your kids do go to college, you go, cool, I have this like hobby. I have this, this part of my life I've been cultivating that's separate from being a mom that I can double down on that still gives me a sense of self-worth and purpose. Mm -hmm. So I love the idea of having like multiple different branches, like you mentioned, so that you don't ever overly identify with one part of yourself. Well, and that's why I think the core, the foundation is most important to identify with values. Mm. So like my values of being compassionate and loving and giving. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what I'm doing. And I, when it comes to the body and the fitness thing, I'm a trainer and my body and my body fluctuates all the time. And I have, these fears and worries that, oh my gosh, I'm not ripped enough, you know, all these things. But who, who's to say that you have to be a trainer and be super ripped? Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. that's society telling me that. Yeah. A lot of people think that. I know I did for sure. So then you feel like when you're not, suddenly you're going, do I even know what I'm talking about? I I have all these degrees and yet suddenly I feel like I don't even know if I'm a good trainer anymore because I don't look like it. It just kind of messes with you. Because we're basing it on all these external things. So would you say the most dangerous thing is to pick one thing and identify with that one thing so strongly? Like, it's okay. we can't put ourselves in a box. It's hard because it feels good. I don't think that you should identify yourself. I think that identifying yourself can get very scary Mm -hmm. in general. Like, yes, good or bad. Sure. Honestly, like we should see totally. ourselves as like one big opportunity, like able to have all of these growing constant leaves as long as we have our foundation straight. I think like another word, as you guys are talking, another word for me that's coming up for identity is self-worth, right? Mm-hmm. So I identify as a mom because that's where I 
like that's how I feel valuable in the world, mm. you know, or you know, whether it's something bad that's happened to you or something that's amazing that's happened to you. I think it's so easy to just take that on like a trainer or a competitor athletes. This happens to all the time to athletes. It, they spend their entire life trying to go pro. And then when they're not able to, they go, well, am I just chopped liver? Like mm-hmm. what is, you know, what's my value in this world? What can I offer outside of just being an amazing athlete? And so I, I think it does come down to how do you cultivate self-worth outside of the thing or outside of yourself or outside yep. of something that society tells you need to be. Yeah. I think that kind of goes, one thing that came up for me as you were saying that was, I think we look for identity as a way to be valued or see value, but also as a way to belong. So, you know, maybe it helps you identify with other moms or with other athletes because you're in a club, you're in a group. Mm-hmm. It makes you part of a community. And I think that people really maybe need that. And I think that's a positive thing. And also, again, a negative thing, because maybe if you're, I don't know, somehow you leave the community, you don't feel a part of it anymore. But if you, I mean, we can talk about just like, honestly, being single versus being in a relationship. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but like when I was married, I was like, not even consciously, but I was like, I'm part of the like yep. married up crew, you know, like I'm good <laughs> yeah. to go. Like I feel solid, you know? And then all of a sudden when you're not in that space anymore, you're like, oh, I guess I'm like, I'm in the single crew now, mm-hmm. you know? And so it is, it can be a mind fuck for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say, I'm trying to think of how many times I've had identity crises. Crises. And it's like, I've had them in my business. Like I've had a brand identity crisis. I've had a personal where my body has changed the relationships where I'm not married again. I mean, not married anymore. There's so many times. And I think that you do have to just get to the place where you know who you are. But that was a big struggle for me. So I don't know. I wanted to ask you, Sierra, because I think you help people with a lot of this. How do people just love themselves for themselves without the things they do? Because I think so often we look for, okay, if it's not about my body, then it's, I'm a good artist or something. It's something that they can do. But I think ultimately when you have like real strong self-identity, it's just who you are, not what you do. And how do you help people just accept and love who they are? So I will say that most people find value and it really comes down, I believe at our core that we're here to be of service, but we can't be of service until we do find that self-awareness and figure out our gifts and how we're able to contribute in this world because we do find value. We become valuable and feel worthy when we feel like we're giving to others. Mm. And it doesn't have to be anything grand. And I think that's the problem. It could literally be helping someone one day like with their groceries like very small acts of kindness to where we feel like oh like today I did something great today I was valuable today I had a purpose here but I think we're looking for this like huge purpose yeah and I was talking to someone last night um, at Tim Story's event about how I want everyone to realize how special and unique you are, but at the same time how insignificant you are Mm. (laughs) and I know that sounds crazy but we live in a massive universe and when you step back and look at how big this world is and you realize how insignificant you really are and to stop taking yourself so seriously yeah it's so true <laughs> we are not so all going to change the entire planet mm-hmm. all these things like all we can do is get up every single single day and do the very best that we can and hope that we were better today than we were the day before and one small thing of kindness like we get so wrapped up in these huge ideas of how to impact this world mm-hmm. and it's really in like the small small things every single day that you can do for yourself and others. And it all comes back to, we all want to be of service. We all want to heal, but we can't heal others until we heal ourselves. But we get so caught up and especially people like us in wanting to constantly help and serve. So for me, it's, it it comes back to like, how are you giving to yourself? How are you filling up your cup? You know? So yeah, I think it's, that's where self-love and and self and self-care is, is um, the foundation of everything. I love the idea of doing, uh, of being of service to other people because it never runs out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like your kids, they go to college. Mm-hmm. You, like your athletic career comes to an end. Like at some point you don't look shredded like you're getting ready to get on stage. Like those mm-hmm. things go away, but you always have an opportunity to be of service to others, whether that's over the internet or like buying someone's coffee at Starbucks. What do you think about people who easily, because self-worth is like kind of, it, it can be kind of funky sometimes, we expect something in return. Like they need to appreciate us or, you know what I mean? Like almost like a tit for tat. Mm -hmm. I think it can be easy if you start to define yourself as someone who is giving and I'm just going to be, you know, I'm going to give to this person. I I just know some people like that who they identify so strongly with being generous, but then they always expect something in return. There's always like strings attached to it. I think that. 
I think that well, can they be haven't a figured tr- out their true self then. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a ploy, right? It's like manipulation. In a yeah, way. yeah, because that's not it's not real. Yeah, uh, self care. Some people could turn that into being a martyr. Totally. You know, they're like, I give to everyone, and and I have, I know some people who are yeah. martyrs in their lives, totally. and it's and can it's under and, the guise of. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a little bit of a misunderstanding of what Sierra is saying of the giving because someone could go, well, see, I'm doing everything she says. I'm giving, I'm giving, but they don't. It's, Appreciate it's, me. it's actually yeah. not giving in the service of giving. It's giving in the expectation of trying to get something back yeah. or thinking that this is somehow going to make me better than like I'm better than all of you because I can give you stuff. And I think there's there's a slippery slope in that for sure. I think we all know people like that. Oh, oh yeah. there are so many people. <laughs> <laughs> you said the word, though. The magic word to me is martyr. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm just going to be. Everyone has like that person in their mm-hmm. family or, you know, friends who you just constantly like, why are you putting yourself? out then you're constantly complaining about putting yourself out so it goes back to what you said about Mm self-care to like having to figure out what's that balance Mm -hmm. of wanting to give but give from a place of just service and openness yeah you know and not wanting to give just so you feel good about yourself you know the, yeah. yeah like that's like a dopamine hit yeah you yeah. need to give more just get where are yeah. people yeah. can help them yeah. that's not the point here's my p.o box you guys yeah. can just send me stuff <laughs> i want to know what you guys would say to because i feel like in our space in our age our age group i should say probably our age decade i don't know that a lot of us are going through different kinds of identity crises whether it's just realizing that like sierra um I can't work at this job anymore. I can't go back to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. It's just not serving me. We, Jill and I hear this from people all the time. Like, I don't want to work at this job. Maybe it's a relationship split. This is the time where people have been married and now they're getting divorces or, or they're breaking up with somebody. So that's changed. So there's like a lot of, I, I don't think I'm alone in having an identity crisis and something that's happened where it's a job has changed or a relationship has changed. So what would you say to somebody who's going through one of those things, who's like in the midst of, crap, I thought this was where my life was going and now it's not who am I and what am I doing? Like, what's the first, what do you say to somebody? You know, it's it's not easy. I think a lot of times we resist those things, right? We tell ourselves the story of, well, I just need to, I've been with this job for so long. I put so much in. I've been in this relationship for such a long time. I shouldn't walk away from it. We have all this stuff together. We have a house together. And I think a lot of people stay in miserable scenarios because they tell themselves the story of, I need this because, you know, people would rather a familiar misery than like something unknown that could be amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, when you know, you know, I have a lot of friends who have been going through transition the last couple of years and they want to rush it because they just want to know like what's, you know, they want to control the situation yep. and I'm just like, breathe and you'll know when the time is right to leave the job, you'll absolutely know. Like literally you're walking to work one day and you be like, actually I'm out. Like, I think that's how it happens in a relationship. Like one tiny thing, I'm out, you know? So yep. I think there's a lot of buildup and a lot of confusion and a lot of talking and processing. And then all of a sudden it happens in an instant and then you're a different person living a different life overnight. I feel like a lot of times it just happens like that, not gradually. Yeah, but it's also important to know that that's okay. Totally. We're constantly growing. We're constantly evolving. And we get sucked into so much anxiety and fear around that change. Yeah. But if we're not changing and growing and evolving, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, I think that that's so, everyone's so afraid of that. And that's the thing, like, don't be afraid of, I've, I've gone through so many identity crises. <laughs> yeah. like, it's crazy, but that's okay. And that's me, that's me evolving and growing and trying to figure myself out. And I think that you need to constantly do that throughout your life. Constantly reevaluate where you are, who you are, the people you're surrounding with. Because we change. Yeah. What, I, I we really throw social media on top of that though? What, what do you what think you? about, what do you guys think about social media as like, okay, like now we're, because all three of us have a personal brand. Yeah. Now you're changing in the public's eye. Yep. I think it's totally fine, but is there, I think for a lot of people, there's sensitivities around that. Like I said, I was this thing Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden I'm moving in this direction. Is that weird or wrong? Or am I going to lose followers? Like, what do you guys think about that? Like, it's fine to like live and have your, I mean, it's fine both ways, but when you're having an identity crisis, you kind of want to like go into the closet and then like come out like, (laughs) like, I'm changed, but it just doesn't work that (laughs) way. You like get in a little chrysalis and you come out a butterfly. messy, right? It's like super fucking messy. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, like we have people to service and we're trying to be as authentic and as vulnerable Mm -hmm. as we possibly can. 
or what are the nuances there? It's so hard. I have definitely been so embarrassed about some of the changes in my stuff. In fact, went to actually where I met Sierra in person. We went to a dinner at Lisa Bilyeu's and I saw an old friend from 2013 and she knew me from Sweaty Betty's and she's like, what are you doing now? And I'm like, Ugh trying to explain how I dropped Sweaty Betty's and kind of the process in the middle of that. And it was hard because I remember being done with that, but not knowing what was next. And when you are in the public eye and you are kind of trying to figure it out as you go, you kind of don't know how to say it or bring it up. And I think too, Sierra does, has done a really good job lately with, with sharing publicly what she's been going through. But I think that more recently, people in our space have been sharing publicly more personal things where before you had to look like you had your stuff together. So I really struggled when I was shifting out of that brand to another brand. And I had a lot of shame and embarrassment around it, especially because I didn't know what was next. But I know I didn't want to just disappear because I had seen so many people just fall off the face of the planet and then try to come back and nobody knew who they were. So it's like trying to stay afloat with my brand, even though I didn't know what was next. And I think it's okay. Absolutely. And looking back, I probably would have not been as hard on myself as I was. But there's definitely a piece of you that's like, what the fuck am I actually doing? <laughs> I'm there right now. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So like you, so what has been going on for you like that? It's been like, you've been navigating this. Like you yeah. obviously have a huge personal brand. You have a lot of people who are like looking to you, even, even just like aspirationally, like Sarah mm. has her shit together. Like, you know, and I think Which I know. no one has <laughs> no their one shit does. together, right? Like no one does, but I think there's a pressure to appear as though you do, or even that you have all the lessons. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't have all the lessons quite yet either. So yeah. how do you navigate that? Well, I would say I'm definitely going through that process right now because half of my following, I believe, followed me for fitness stuff and half mm -hmm. of them followed me for the struggle to strength aspect of my brand. So I've been very confused because when I get outside sources, friends of mine that are in this space are doing really well, the types of content that they're promoting and that they're like, Sierra, you just need to do this. This is what's going viral. Like stop with the self-love stuff, stop with the vulnerability stuff. Like even though I know this, my personal stuff and the vulnerability stuff is what gets the most reactions, it's helping the most people, but it may not be going viral online. Mm -hmm. But to me, I've just been in this place where I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about growing right now. I care about serving the people that are in my community at the moment and mm -hmm. being so authentic to myself. And I've had so much anxiety because I'm like, maybe I should just do this to grow. Maybe I should just do what's really trendy right now, the yeah. infographics and the side-by-sides and the fitness Yeah. Stuff. But I just know in my heart that that's not authentic to who I am. So I just have to believe and know that if I, if I just keep doing what I'm doing and putting out what I'm putting out, I... And, a lot of it's uncomfortable and not everyone's going to be comfortable with what I'm putting out, but I'm taking a risk because in my community, I've always vowed to create space for the hard stuff because right mm -hmm. now, you know, like we had a conversation uh, the other day, I had a friend approach me basically questioning my authenticity and mm -hmm. my brand because I'm not always positive. And, you know, I've had a couple people tell me that they're inspired by positivity. But for me, we see so much of that. And I yeah. am positive on my brand. There's always a lesson with what, I, what I'm teaching. Yep. But I believe that the imperfections are more inspiring to me because we have this perfect, glossy world on social media, but we don't get to see the behind the scenes. Yep. And when I meet someone successful, I literally want to be like, okay, what shit are you going through right now? <laughs> yeah. And everyone is. That everyone is. And but we hide it. And yeah. that's the stuff that makes us the most human. That's what connects us, but we're all afraid to talk about it. Yep. But to me, it's like, okay, you got there going through that. Yep. Like you're a superhuman. Yeah. And that's the stuff that I want to know. And I also feel like because of social media and because of media and the world that everyone's created, everyone feels more alone than they ever had before. And that's where they start feeling unworthy. That's where depression comes in because I feel yep. like no one can understand what they're going through. And that's where, that's where I'm, I'm in that crossroads. So yeah. I'm like, do I keep focusing on, do I, am I just going to be a fitness person? Can I do it all? Can I do mind, body, soul? Or should I focus on self-development? Like it's very confusing. I'm still in that. And I believe that there's a way to focus on all three of them. Yeah. But, you know, it's like I see the people that are doing really well yep. and they're focusing like they're just fitness, they're just nutrition, yep. they're just doing the same type of content. So I'm in that, in that world right now. But oh, yeah. Trying to lead with my heart, trying to stay as authentic as I can and not be a carbon copy of someone else online. You're not alone on that at all, especially in the fitness space. I think a lot of trainers, even Sean Croxton, I don't, he has a 
a podcast. I can't remember what it's called right now. I think it's just called the Sean Croxton show probably, Mm -hmm. but he was in the fitness space for a long time and started going down the personal development route. And I think so many of us who start in fitness, just because we've worked with so many clients and people and individuals see that it's not always about the body. There's so much mindset. There's so many things that are deeper. And when we see that enough times we go, okay, maybe this, maybe we need to go down that route. And not everybody does um, in fitness, but I think a lot, I think a lot do. And a lot of us get get kind of stuck in that. Can I, it's not as marketable, right? It's, it's not, not as like tactile. It's not as five ways to lose five pounds. Mm-hmm. So it's tricky to go down that, go down that place, but it's not something everyone knows they need right away. Yeah. Every single client I've ever worked with, it, it, particularly even my one-on-one in-person clients, right. it takes them a while to realize, okay, you know what? Like I had, I had one of my guy clients. I've been working with him for a year, came, came in like strength wise, couldn't do anything. And now he's so powerful, but came in and was always super stressed. Like wasn't sleeping well. And after a year he had built the strength and his body had gotten to where he, where he wanted to be. But he was just, he was just like, okay, I think we need to, I think we need to dive into the self-love stuff. Yeah. Cause I'm still not happy. And like, well, I've been telling you this from the get go. Like if we had just started and done them both simultaneously, but right. it takes people a while to realize that that's what they actually need. Cause they feel like if I get this body, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm yep. going to be, yeah. you know, one of the things Jane and I have been talking about lately is the idea of tenacity around your business, because both of us have been doing online business for like almost 10 years. And there's been so many iterations. And I really think that authenticity is your compliance tool. Cause if I'm just like, I need to post workouts, I need to post workouts. Like, I don't know, but you guys better be bored as shit in like yeah. three months posting workouts. Like, sure. Are they valuable? Do people like them? Do they want to do them? Yes. People are always like more workouts, more workouts. But personally, like I would just give up. I'd rather just get a corporate job than like have to still like continue to stay yep. in this one box mm-hmm. and not be able to talk about the things that I'm excited about or things I'm passionate about. So authenticity to me has always been the compliance tool. It's yeah. the thing that lets you, that allows for you to keep going with your business and with your brand and, and still love it. Yeah. Otherwise, like, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. What's the point? But what can be tricky is if you did start off as the fitness girl or that, uh, whatever it is, the paleo person, the keto person, and suddenly you want to do something else. You're like, that was my identity. That's how people know me. Now, am I going to look like a fraud or a fake because I'm something else now? So I actually, uh, Diane Sanfilippo, one of our friends, she started off as, she's got a podcast, a paleo podcast. She wrote a practical paleo book and now she's doing keto stuff. And she's gotten some backlash from people going, oh, I thought you were paleo. And it's interesting because even though I don't see any problem with switching and having a change in identity of a brand as I have done. It, you do get some backlash. And so people are scared to change. It's like, do I go down the self-love route? If people only knew me for fitness, are they going to give me a hard time? And some people will, some people won't. Some people follow you, some people won't. But ultimately, if you stay true to yourself, like you said, being authentic, that's going to keep you'll you. will enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. You'll keep it's going. Like, you'll love it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it just, it would just go back. It would be like going back into a job that you don't care about just right. for the money. Yep. And that's what a lot of people are doing online. Yeah. And then they ultimately aren't happy. Cause they're not, they're not gifting the world their actual gifts. You know, they're just doing what's trendy, what's going to make them money. And that's okay. Right. If you're, if you just want to make money, I'm not here to judge you. Do what you want. Yeah, you're still yep. providing a service. But I know that but that's not going to make me happy. I'm not right. here for the money. I'm here in it to help change people's lives and make them. Yeah. It was interesting. Danny and I were at a uh, networking event. Or it was actually one of our mastermind events back in May. And there was a whole bunch of people. And most of the people in the room were making seven figures, multiple seven figures. And there was a long discussion and lecture about like, doing what you love and how you should follow your passion and figure out a way to do something that you love. And both of us just looked at each other and we're like, have you ever struggled with doing something that you love? And, and meanwhile, we're not making multiple seven figures, but we both were like, I've never done anything I didn't want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we were like the two oddballs in the entire room. Yeah. People are running like multiple seven figure, like construction businesses. And they're asking us how to do like a blog. Yeah. And we're like, uh, yeah, they're like crying and hating blog. their lives. And yeah. we're going, Oh wow. We, and, but it was also a great, it was eye-opening for us going, maybe we're doing something right, to be honest. Right. Because you get yourself in this trap. Like people call their jobs like the golden handcuffs, right? They have to go to work in order to pay the bills. And they got, they've bought all these things that they need to work for. So it's just this like, this hamster wheel of having to do something you don't want to do. And I have a girlfriend, actually an old client of mine who went to law school, became a lawyer, hates it. But she's like, I went to school for this. My family expects me to be a lawyer and she just feels stuck and trapped there. And 
it's like, that's what she is, right? She's a lawyer. She's that like we get stuck to our name and our title and she just really doesn't want to do that. So mm. I think it takes a lot of guts and bravery to shift and try something new and get out of that. For sure. And I think reaching the generation, the younger generation is really important because she got in that trap because of outside mm-hmm. the same, like, like if, yours. If, yeah. For, for me, like I listened to when I was young, Sierra, you're so, you're so smart you should be a doctor. You should be an engineer. So I convinced myself that's what I should be. Okay. And I went down that route. Thankfully during college, I realized this is not for me. I'll make a lot of money, but I know I'm not going to be happy. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I drove out to LA and was like, I'm going to work in entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) You and like millions of other people. It took me a while while to realize (laughs) that I didn't want to do that either, but I at least put myself out there to figure it out. But yeah, you get like a lot of us know at, at the core at some point, what we want to be or what we want to do. Like for me, I'm not sure what it really looks like, but I knew from maybe when I was like 10 that all I wanted to do was help people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as long as I was in a job that was helping other people and that was definitely not entertainment, I was literally trying to convince myself. I'm like, oh, I'm helping people make movies to like provide joy and entertainment which is great some people want to do that (laughs) yeah but you couldn't feel the tangible you had to go down like four Um, levels to where you're actually helping people (laughs) yeah and then ultimately and then as adults so many people are having this journey that's not finding themselves it's a return to themselves Mm. because Mm. we've cut we've gone so far off track from where we really were when we were younger and that's what happened so what would you guys say to someone who's listening to this conversation right now and they're going you know, I don't feel aligned with what I'm doing, either it's in a relationship or it's with my work or like I'm hearing you and it's like just hitting me between the eyes. Like I know I need to change, but I'm so scared. Like is awareness the first step? Like how does someone start to take those really courageous steps to leave a relationship, to leave a job, to, you know, follow their dreams and they're terrified they're not going to be money or they're going to not be able to provide or, you know, so what would you guys say? The first thing I did was I sat down and I made a list. I made a list of what I loved. What, what, what was I, when I felt most alive, what was I doing? Mm. Who was I Mm. with? You know, what was I, how was I giving to this world? Um, and that's what really helped me. I, I, but again, when I sat down, it was values for the most part. So I was like, okay, so what career is going to give me this life that I want? And I, and it took a lot of, I, that it, you just got to really sit down and, and make a list and know I, when I got into this, I had taken a year and a half off to be, to take care of my mom and take care of my siblings. I was $40,000 in debt. I had nowhere to live. I was sleeping on people's couches and I was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah, great. Yeah. Sometimes, you though, when you're, your, yeah. but, uh, sometimes when you're in that space though, you're kind of like, well, I'm already in a hole. I'm already, I don't have anything. So you lose. have nothing to lose, to lose, right? Lose. I yeah. Just, I just went for it. But just know that anything is possible. There's always a way to make it work. I like that you made a list because I have to see things visually as well. And I was doing personal training for about 10 months and then I actually got a job working for the city. And so I took it because I needed insurance benefits because I had been paralyzed in my 20s and I didn't have insurance. And so I filed bankruptcy from the medical bills. So that in the back of my mind, I was always scared to not have insurance. So I got this job working for the city. And after two and a half years, I was miserable. It was one of those jobs where my shift started at noon and I would leave my house at noon because I was like subconsciously trying to get fired and I would have anxiety attacks driving there and I just hated it. And I wanted to go back to training and I I started to have some old clients reach out, like shoot me a message. Hey, are you training? And I'm like, no, I'm not. And I did what you said. Actually, I sat down and I didn't really make a list of what I wanted, but I just made a list of like a couple people I could call. And then what could I charge to equal what I was making at this job? Like what would it actually take logistically to replace my income? I didn't worry about the insurance and I was about to get married. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get married so I can get on my husband's insurance. That'll cover that. And then to make the same amount that I'm making at the city, I would need to trade this many clients. Then the next piece is finding a gym to to train at. And ironically, and I think this is how the universe works sometimes when you start to put things into motion, a gal that worked for the city, she was a soccer coach. She came in and started talking about, oh, I got to leave to train. And I'm like, wait, where do you train at? And she told me the studio and found out that all I had to pay was $10 rent to use so I could charge whatever I wanted to charge my clients and then pay them $10 of that. And it ended up like making financial sense where the number of people who had reached out to me asking if I was training again 
was going to equal the same amount as what I was making for the city. And it just came together so quickly. I quit within two weeks. But I really think just sometimes seeing things on paper and just writing out a little plan of going like, what could this look like? Or even if I did have to lose a little bit of income for a short amount of time, would it be worth the amount of happiness I have or the extra time that I would have? Like, can I go from 80 hours a week to 40 hours a week? And yes, I'll make less, but I'll have my time back. You know, what does that look like? But I think I like writing it down and just actually taking a look. I I need to like either talk things out or process and like see it in see front of me. See all the different me. angles, Yeah, right? You're kind of like, oh, let me just see. And I'm the same way. Like, I think I, I do like going to worst case scenario because I'm like, okay, Worst case scenario, like what would that look like if I had to, you know, and one of the things, the place I always took solace was like, I could always go back to the job, right? Like I could always go back to when I left my marriage, like, you know, I, he didn't want me to leave. I could, I've always just gone back to that. It wasn't ideal, but I could go back to that if I needed to. And I, I know you guys have a lot of clients who are the similar. I've had a lot of clients make huge life changes, either leave a job, go fully, you know, entrepreneurial online, leave relationships. And they're like, okay, they always go, okay, if I need to, I can always go get a desk job. I can always go back. And Mm -hmm. they never do, Mm -hmm. like never do, you know? And so it's one of those things where you have to have, that's like that faith piece, right? It's like, here's what my my comfort zone is. Here's where the safety and security is. Here's the unknown. And that little gap in between is where you literally just have to like jump Mm -hmm. and trust yourself and trust the universe. And I've never had one person go, I regret getting the job. I regret regret leaving the relationship, you know? like you figure it out and you, but you don't know the steps until you're there and I think that's where the mind fucking sometimes come in yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and it's fear I genuinely think you should run as fast towards what you're afraid of as you possibly love can. that 100 <laughs> percent. so hard I'm like cringy but like yes, yeah. So true. yeah so true so many people sit in comfort and then 15 years later they find themselves so unhappy and they with so many regrets and I did the same thing. I was, when I started this career, I said the same thing. I mean, there were several months where I had no idea how I was going to pay my rent. And I, I love the idea of, of manifesting things and really putting it in the universe. But also at the same time, I feel, I feel like our generation believes way too much in manifesting. <laughs> and like, I'm not just going to sit on the couch and this career is going to land in my lap. The man of my dreams is going to come to me while I'm laying in bed. Like, no, you got to get up and do the work. Yeah. Like, even if you have a full-time job and you're too afraid to leave it because you need that security, then fine. You've got 24 hours in a day. Yep. You could start working on that side hustle if you really, really believe in it. But yeah, I was like, if I, if I have no money, if I don't make this, I can always, I can go live with my brothers. I can figure something out. But I knew I was more committed to living a life that I knew was going to make me happy than going back to something I knew I just, it would, it was soul sucking. I wasn't living in my truth. So there's always a way to make it happen. I think there is too. And I think you don't, you're not as resourceful as you're going to be when you're in that position. Oh yeah. Right. So like you're safe, comfy. I remember I, I probably stayed at my full-time job about a year too long because it was just like, Oh, I'm getting this check every two weeks. And it was like certain and comfort or whatever, but I know it was also a crutch. And the second I quit, like tripled my income of the year after I quit, but I couldn't see that until I was in the space where I was like, fuck, I got to do what I got to do to make this work. And I think that you do. And that comes down to like, do you trust yourself enough to be resourceful, to have the knowledge, to learn the lessons, to work your ass off? You have to, you know, and you won't know until you're in that space. You can't like project that from a place of comfort, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also knowing that you're worth it. So much of our fear comes from everything in our life, not feeling worthy of it. Truthfully, that's like for me, the base, the foundation of everything. Do I feel like I'm worth it? I think there's that fear of the the limbo of not knowing what's next to, to take a step. So, you know, leaving, like you said, you stayed a year too long in your job. I was thinking about staying too long in relationships. You know, there was one that I was in that I should have left before, but I got a lot of identity in that relationship because both of our names were Danny. So it was like we were the Dannys, Danny and Danny. And I don't know what it was like. There was just this romanticism of our relationship. So even though things weren't working, I had romanticized the idea of it and the romanticized the idea of us and stayed together for that. And the fear of being alone, the fear of having something different kept me you know, kind of like earlier we're saying being single versus being married and identifying in a new way. I think sometimes we fear that middle piece of what is it going to look like if I'm not that thing anymore? I have to go through some uncomfortable parts of not knowing who I am because who I thought I was is this and 
it's I don't not know who the next generation yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's that so scary. That's like that little piece of like I don't know what's next, so I'm just gonna hang on to what this is because because you are like solid. You know who you are at as this. You just don't know who you are as that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of us stay too long for a lot of things. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just lived through the same thing, but mine. I realized. Yeah, my identity in that relationship was a savior. I felt like mm. I needed to save the person that I was with. And I felt like I was in their life. And I had so many people tell me this. You're in his life for a reason. You're here to help him. Mm-hmm. So then I, I played that role. I was like, I'm here to help elevate him, to help him evolve and grow. Yep. But like we were talking about before, not everyone's ready for that. And mm-hmm. we can't force that. So I had a lot of less. I, that was one of my big lessons too. And just in that relationship, realizing that I can never abandon myself because I'm worried about abandoning somebody else. And I was afraid to leave as well. Cause I'm like, I've been in this relationship for two and a half years. Yep. I'm 33. I'm yep. looking for a family and kids. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm, I'm 33 and it's going to be too late to start over. Yep. But that's all fear. It doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter at all. Yep. I can start over and the universe and like I needed to create space for magic. So walking away was one of the best things I ever did. Yep. Scary as hell, but it's a common story of staying for something because you've already put in so much time, right? right. Oh, I've already been at this job for 10 years. I might as well go the next 20 or I've already been in this relationship for four years. So I've it's like our lives are so long. So, and what, for some reason we think if we've done something for two years, we have to do it forever. <laughs> but it's, it's like silly looking back, but honestly, if there's just a time when things just aren't working anymore, why do we make ourselves keep going it's like well I've been sitting on this nail for 20 minutes I might as well keep sitting on it it's like watching a movie that like you know is just like the worst movie but you have there's some people are like that they have to they have to stay to the end to see the ending and the whole time they hate the movie I remember in my one of my previous relationships we lived together and we lived together for about a year and a half and we just bought furniture together and I remember saying I don't want to be here anymore but we have all this stuff together yeah right it was just like but you convinced yourself that like (laughs) that's what's important and it's, yeah, I mean, and the stories you tell yourself about age or I've already put so much skin in the game. I might as well see it through. Yep. You know, it's like a scarcity mindset, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> For me, I will say I, I, I go back and forth because I definitely have, I feel a very rare perspective having lost my mom and being able, to, I mean, my mom got sick the second time and was gone within nine months. So mm-hmm. I always, when I, when I made the decision to walk away, I literally sat down and said to myself, what if I only have nine more months? Am I happy right Mm. now? Or do I want to give myself a chance at the life I know I want, I deserve? So yes, life is long, but not always. So So what are, what are we doing sitting in jobs and relationships? We don't, we're not happy in because tomorrow could literally be taken from us. The outcome is the same. mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Making this, making the transition, whether you look at it, you know, the way like life is short or life is long. It's like, cool. If life is long, if I'm lucky enough to have a long life, then I can still find loving. I, I mm-hmm. will have all those oh, I opportunities. Love I love that. You know, and if life is short, then what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Why am I so wasting true. my time here? Yeah. Both sides work. In fact, I actually like having that question to ask myself and just putting it both sides and seeing both sides. Cause I think if you put it both ways, the outcome is the same. same? It's like, mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, why am I doing this? If it doesn't work, I've got time to rework and yeah, I've got so much time to fix it. Yeah, yeah. And if I don't, it's like, why would I want to live the last couple months of my life doing something that's miserable and that I hate? Yeah, I like that so much. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I love this. So we talked about more than just identity, but I think it all kind of ties into you know um, just attachment. Yeah, you know, I had a friend who just said, "Be open to it. To be open to outcomes, not attached to them," and that has become a mantra of mine. Too. So I feel like, you know, identity or situations or people or hobbies or jobs, like they're just all these, they all just create context for like what we can attach to. Mm-hmm. I think it just to kind of summarize what we talked about a lot of like diversifying, get, getting down into attaching more to values than to mm-hmm. people or things or relationship or job, because no matter what circumstance you're in, you can still have your values, whether mm-hmm. it's this job, that job, entrepreneurship, social yep. media, right? Like, and that's the thing that's constant. And so identity, what is your summary? You pretty much wrapped it up. I mean, <laughs> I <laughs> you pretty much wrapped it up. I think that's succinct as hell. So I'm not going to add anymore. <laughs> How about I, you? I agree. It's who you are at your core. I think when I think about identity, <laughs> of course, I'm going to keep going back to my mom. 
I think about what all of us said about her at her funeral. Mm. It literally had nothing to do with her job or, yeah. or external things. Everyone talked about who she was as a human being at her core. That's your identity. Aside from that, you can do and be whatever you want to be. Yeah. But we, we so quickly attach our identity to exterior things when we have to go internally to figure that out. I love that. And I love that you provided a couple of exercises for people to do that, which is helpful too, because I think I could imagine someone listening going like, okay, well, it sounds like it's easier for Sierra. She just like kind of knows, she knows who she is. I think that we can even have shame around, like if we don't know who we are, we don't Mm -hmm. know our purposes here, right? Oh, every, I should, I should know my purpose, but I don't like, we can even have shame around that too. But I think just working it through. Purpose is not an easy thing to get to. It's a constantly evolving thing. And that's when I talk about self-love and self-development, it's, I think that's where people get confused. It's definitely not a destination. Yeah. It's a constant journey. So that's why in my program, and that's where people get confused. Like they think self-love is going to the gym and eating well and like bubble baths and stuff. But it's a constant reevaluation of who you are as a human being on a daily basis. And like my first, the first part of working with me in my program is figuring out your soul purpose and your soul philosophy. And that's the root, the foundation, the core of who you are. So whatever you're doing in your life, you can always return to that and make sure that that's matched up. But a lot of people haven't taken the time to do that and to do that work and to really sit down. So I think, you know, it all comes back to your identity is just becoming so radically self-aware of who you are as a human being, regardless of who society has taught you to be. So it's a return yeah. to self. It's not mm-hmm. about finding yourself, returning to who you were meant to be. Like think about kids yep. and babies. Like we came into this world knowing who we were more so than any age because we were just who we were. But somewhere along the line, outside sources constantly teach us how to be, how to look, what success, success means, what beauty means, and we lose our way. So it's like, how do we return to who we really are at our core? Yeah. And that's courageous, I feel like. Mm. And not easy, but. Yeah. It takes work. It's a daily practice. Yeah. How do people find you, yes. Sierra? You can find me on all of my handles at Sierra Nielsen. And my website is sierranielsen.com. Easy stuff. Very Sierra easy. Nielsen. We'll make sure you put it in the show notes so people can connect with you. Can people DM you? Absolutely. I respond okay. I respond personally <laughs> to all my DMs. I try to get back to all of them as much as I possibly can. Amazing. Yeah. Good. You guys need to follow her. Um, she is beautiful on the outside, but she is also a sweetheart on the inside and smart as hell. Yep. Oh, and um, so yeah, make sure you guys connect with her. And thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank yeah. you for having me. I love it. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to do another one for sure. Absolutely. Anytime. Pick a topic talk for an hour yeah it'll be fun all right you guys we will see you next time make sure that you check out uh connect with us on facebook and our close facebook group it's thebestlifepodcast.com add your two cents on identity and if you are struggling or you're working through a big life transition make sure you you know kind of just share it with us and don't be scared about the vulnerability piece everyone's there to support you and i love these conversations so let's do it see ya all right bye guys bye